Good to be with you guys this morning. My name's Stephen. Uh, I'm one of the pastors, and I'm excited to kick this thing off. Week two of our series on Sabbath, but I have a question for you this morning. What is the worst drive you've ever been on? What's the worst drive that you've ever been on? For some of you, it's like, ah, I don't have to think about it. For me, the answer comes immediately. And it's a drive we took a number of years ago when Levi was real little from Albuquerque, New Mexico to Tucson, Arizona. And there's a lot of things that we had working against us on this drive. One, uh, we had like a one-year-old we were taking on a seven and a half hour drive, which is not uh, setting us up for success. Another thing is, it's a bazillion degrees there. Yes, I did spend uh, about a decade in the desert. It's 112 this week there, guys. It's, uh, why do people live there? We, don't, we have choices of where to live, and people are still choosing to live. I'm like, how does everyone not live in Portland? Like, if you look around, it's just amazing. Because here's the deal. You go on road trips here, and it just blows your mind. Because you, you go on these road trips, and it's like two hours through the enchanted forest to the magical mountain. Or you take, <laughs> or you take a drive to the coast past the babbling brooks, and everywhere you just want to stop and take a picture that's, you know, uh, you're going to hang on your wall. Not, not in Arizona. Not in New Mexico. So we're going on this road trip, right, from we get out there, we have this great vacation, you know, seeing family. They were great to us. On the way back, but here's the thing about Arizona's a dry place. It's desert. New Mexico makes Arizona look like a rainforest. (laughs) New Mexico, it's like we decided as a country, hey, you got all this dirt left over from your yard projects. Where do you put it? Ah, just drop it in New Mexico. It's all dirt anyways. It's nothing. I mean, we're driving through here, and literally there's... There's not towns. There's just these little colonies, basically, is all there is. You drive through a place literally called Truth or Consequences, <laughs> which is a place you definitely go in like a Wild West movie, and that's the last place you ever visit. And so, so we're coming back, right, from Mexico. And you got a one-year-old in the car. We know he's going to be fussy. But, you know, you try to set him up well, all that. So we get about a, right out of the city, and we got a seven-and-a-half-hour drive ahead of us. And he starts getting fussy. It's like, oh, it's, it's his nap time. You know, just he'll, we'll, we'll get through it. That turns into an hour of him straight crying. You pull over. You try to figure out what's going on. Oh, he just doesn't want to be in the car seat. Well, no, now this is a battle, battle of the wills. Right? I brought you into this world. I'm going to stand strong here. You're not going to win. So hour turns into two hours, turns into three hours of crying. Now, at this point, three hours in, things are getting chippy in the car, right? Like... I'm saying things to my kid I shouldn't be saying. Kelsey's correcting me, but she's doing it in a chippy way. Now Kelsey and I are getting after it. You know, it's just things in the car are reaching a boiling point, right? Three hours turns into four, into five, into six. At hour six, Levi's dad is in Albuquerque. He's got a monster in the car. You know, it's been full metamorphosis, Lord of the Flies. Who is this guy in here? He's saying things he never thought he would say. I'm saying things I never thought I would say. I'm doing things I never thought I would do, and it's getting bad right? I mean, like, I'm thinking back to, you know, when we were early married before we had kids, and I was thinking, I would never yell at my kids. I would never say these things to my kid, and I want to tell him, like, you ain't never been in a car for six hours straight with your kid crying, dude. And here's the deal. We get six and a half hours into this drive, and I've just totally lost it. Levi's been having a meltdown for six hours in the car. I've had my own adult temper tantrum right in the car. And I just, I, we all, everyone's crying, everyone's broke down, and there's nowhere to stop, so I just pull off to the side of the road, right? And I, I tell my family, I'm just like, oh my goodness, guys, I am, I'm totally out of line. I'm so sorry. This is totally unacceptable. Will you forgive me? All hug. We're all coming to Jesus on this dusty highway in Arizona, right? But here's the deal. Joe, I don't want to be clear, like, that, totally unacceptable. 
But joking aside, this meltdown was a check engine light moment for my life. Something was not, it wasn't, I mean, six hours of a kid screaming is hard, but there was a lot more going on under the surface here. And the reality was, as we kind of processed the coming weeks of what was happening, we realized I was burning out. I was breaking down, and the pace that I was living was not working. To kind of go back three, four years ago, what was I doing? I was working six and a half days a week. I was checking and answering emails first thing in the morning. The first thing I did was grab my phone, and I'm checking emails. I'm, I'm working from literally the moment I get up. And I'm, I'm answering emails, taking calls late at night. I don't even know what a Sabbath is. I'm not even, I'm not even thinking about it, right? I'm wanting to, to prove I was a good leader. I had everything to prove, everybody to impress. I needed to show that I had a strong work ethic. I'd run at this pace and then I'd rationalize. I'd say, well, I'm a pastor. Like, this is just part of the calling. Like, you know, there's important work to do. People that need my help and Jesus deserves my best. And besides, you know, we got a vacation coming up. Then I'll rest. But let's just be honest, right? Even on the vacation, I was checking emails. Even on the vacation, I was taking calls. I just needed to be available and make sure I didn't miss anything. I was drowning in an unsustainable pace of life, trying to catch a life raft on vacation. And I tell you, it wasn't working. Something had to change. And I'll tell you, that drive from Albuquerque, New Mexico to Tucson, Arizona, although horrible, was a gift from God because it was that check engine light coming on. Tell me something is broken and must be changed and fixed. And it was a gift because something did change. And I just got to ask us, is anyone else's check engine light on today? Is anyone else's check engine light on today? You know what I'm talking about. It may not look like a breakdown on a, on a highway, but is anybody else's check engine light on today? Here's the deal. It's, it wasn't just me burning out. We live in an age of restlessness that's running at an unsustainable pace. We live in an age of breakdowns. A simple Google search reveals that we are a generation that is stressed out, burnt out, overworked, overwhelmed, anxious, depressed. In our smartphone age, social media age, 24 news cycle, nonstop, instant everything, we're in a constant state of restlessness and we feel it. As Jose said last week, and this is profound, we've returned to Egypt, to slavery. We don't have cruel taskmasters with whips. We have a tyrant of nonstop notification and pings. Nonstop. Stats show, this is wild, guys. Stats show that the average American works nearly five more weeks a year than they did 40 years ago. The average American works five more weeks a year. We spend 13 plus hours a day on our screens. And that's the low estimate. 13 plus hours a day on our screens. At some level, we have to just say, like, we're addicted and it's not working. We numb the restlessness by escaping with Netflix. We, we distract ourselves into oblivion on social media. We confuse true rest for entertainment. And we're longing for a vacation that can at least just hold off the burnout, right? Just for at least another season. And you and me and our world, we are all collectively aching for real rest. And Jesus has good news for us. Because for good news to be good news, it has to invade bad spaces. And Jesus, in the midst of our restlessness, says in Matthew 11, Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. And that's good news, amen? 
Last week, we kicked off this new series on Sabbath, and we talked about Sabbath as an invitation. And today, what we're going to talk about is Sabbath as a remedy for restfulness in an age of restlessness. So church, today, we're going to talk about why Sabbath. Like, what's the, what's the point? Why Sabbath? We're going to talk about counterfeits of Sabbath, and then we're going to talk about ingredients for true Sabbath. I'm going to pray, and we're going to jump in. Uh, so let, let's, let's reorient ourselves here. As we were just singing, let us acknowledge who God is and what he's done. Let us cry out to him uh, here in this place. Jesus, we thank you that you are Lord of the Sabbath. Thank you that you give rest. I confess uh, I feel the restlessness. I confess that in so many ways, even as we talked about last week, I resist your invitation. And Lord, would we taste and see that you are good? Would we taste and see that your way is good? Would we taste and see that your rest is true and real and can be found today? And so, Lord, I pray that today is helpful. Uh, thank you for your word that never returns void. I pray that today encourages us, spurs us on, and challenges us to rest in you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. Let's jump in. So we're going to talk about why Sabbath as our first movement here today. And I got good news. Uh, if you're an engineer, if you work at Intel, if you're just type A, you know, uh, today's going to be a good day for you because we got something here. We got lists. We got a lot of lists for you today. And so my type A folks, uh, rejoice, you got lists. So why Sabbath? Number one, it's authoritative. So number one, if you're taking notes, why Sabbath? Number one, it's authoritative. Yes, the Sabbath is authoritative for us as Jesus followers today. But not, hear me, not in a Jewish ceremonial law or in a binding Old Covenant sense, no. No one's arguing for a literal shutdown on, you know, the Friday night all the way to sundown on Saturday. And if someone, you know, works in that time, we should, you know, if they gather sticks, we should stone them to death. No one's arguing for that. Uh, that, is, that is not what we're talking about. Jesus fulfills the law, including the Sabbath, and he indeed is Lord of the Sabbath. But the spirit and heart of God from the law abides, which includes the Sabbath. The Sabbath is authoritative, though, for us today, as it is part of the Ten Commandments. And the Ten Commandments are authoritative for all time. What do I mean? Well, to break any of the Ten Commandments has always been wrong, and it forever will be wrong. It's never been okay to murder. What, before the Ten Commandments were given and forever after. It's always been wrong to murder, and it forever will be. Always been wrong to lie, forever will be. Always been wrong to worship idols, forever will be. You get the point. The Ten Commandments are woven into the very fabric of creation. They are the way things are supposed to be. So it is with the, with the Sabbath. When we talk about its authority, we're talking about it, uh, think of it this way. Uh, I'm not a car guy, let me tell you. Like, you could rob me blind. You could be talking about reverse manifolds and stuff, and I'm just going to nod my head and say, sure, I don't even know that's a car part. Uh, Middleton Motors, you can help me out here and not uh, be, be have integrity and make sure that I don't get robbed blind. But I do know this. I know this at least about a car. Uh, are oil changes authoritative for a vehicle? Yes. I mean, sure, you can drive your car without one, but eventually it will break down. Like, you know, I, I went to Jiffy Lube recently. I'm like, my car's acting weird. They're like, there's no oil in the car, dude. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, of course there's not. That's why I'm here. Uh, of course you can drive without an oil change, but you will eventually break down. Of course an oil change is authoritative for a vehicle. Another, a ridiculous question, but is drinking water authoritative for Christians? Is sleeping authoritative for Christians? Yes. Nobody's sitting here be like, ain't no water tell me what to do. 
No, yes, we must. We, we must do these things because we're tapping into an authority that is derived from creation itself. So it is with Sabbath. That's what I'm getting at here. Its authority is woven to the very grain of the universe. As you've heard us say before, as H.H. H. Farmer says, if you go against the grain of the universe, you get splinters. And if we look at the Ten Commandments from last week, Exodus 20 says this. It'll be up on the screen. This is from the Ten Commandments. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth. Look at where Moses is drawing this authority from. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that's in them. But he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath and made it holy. See, Exodus is pointing back to creation in Genesis 1 and 2. Sabbath is woven by God into the very order of creation itself. Don't miss this. Before there was sin, there was rest. See, rhythms of meaningful work and Sabbath rest are not a product of the curse. They are not a product of the fall. They are not a product of sin. They are part of God's good, original, creational design. Meaningful work, you could say, and Sabbath rest are the way things are supposed to be. So why Sabbath? One, it's authoritative. For to, to neglect the Sabbath is to deny reality. And number two, it's rehumanizing. What do I mean? To neglect Sabbath is to deny our humanity. Because this stuff is done from creation, this rhythm, to be made. We are humans made in God's image. Part of our image bearing is to reflect God and He Sabbath. So we are called to Sabbath as well. We image God, our very humanity, what we were made for as human beings is Sabbath. So Sabbath rehumanizes us. We're doing what we were always meant to do. And don't miss this. Adam and Eve, they're created on the sixth day, right? God creates uh, in the Genesis account on the sixth day, he makes Adam and Eve. And their first full day, though, is not the sixth day. Their first full day is the seventh day, which was the Sabbath. They don't work for rest. Adam and Eve, they do not work for rest. They work from rest. They don't strive or live for rest. They receive it and live from it. And I want to tell you, because many of us, we feel like if I work hard enough, then I earn my rest at the end of the week. But actually, biblically, you don't earn your rest. You receive it. You don't live for it. You live from it. And I want to encourage you, you do not have to earn this. God gives it to you as a gift. How weird would that be, right, on Christmas morning? Like, you give a gift for your kid. He's like, how much money do I owe you? It's a gift. You don't earn it. You don't, you don't work for it. You receive it. It's the Father's delight to give us this good gift of Sabbath. The Sabbath is a day of rest and peace and worship that's restoring us. It's realigning us. As I'm saying, it's rehumanizing us. St. Augustine famously said, one of my favorite quotes, he says, God, you have made us for yourself, O Lord. You have made us for yourself, O Lord, and our hearts are restless until they find the rest in thee. Our hearts are restless until they find the rest in God. Sabbath is an invitation to conform our lives back to what and back to who we are made for, which is God. Amen? We are made for God, and our hearts will be restless until they find their rest in Him. And we talked about this in our community groups a bit last week. And if you don't have a guide, you can get one on your way out. They're back at the Get Connected table to discuss in community groups. But everything that God does and says reveals His character. 
And the Sabbath is no different. The Sabbath reveals that God's heart is blessing. It is life. It is rest. It is joy. That God's heart is one of blessing and rest and joy. That God's calling us not to be his restless slaves, but that God is not calling us to be his employees or his workers. He's calling us to be family. He's calling us to be friends. Jesus says, I call you my friend. He's calling us to rest in him. The Sabbath shows you and it shows me and it shows all of us that we as humans have value beyond our utility. You have value not because of what you do, but because of who you are made in the image of God. God enjoys us and wants to be with us. Sabbath is not about producing. It is about presence. God wants to be with us. And that tells us what kind of father he is. Sabbath shouts defiantly against the dehumanization of treating others or treating ourselves, let's be honest, as commodities, as seeing our worth as rooted in our utility and our productivity. Sabbath is a rehumanization project declaring that we have value not because of what we offer the world, but again because we are made in the image of God. The Sabbath affirms your dignity. It affirms your life. It affirms your value. That you are made in the image of God. You are not valuable because of what you do. And this is good news. This is good news. So why Sabbath? It's authoritative. It's rehumanizing. And number three, it's resistance. It's resistance. Sabbath is resistance to a world of restlessness. Sabbath is a subversive stop in a world of hurry. Sabbath is a peaceful protest in a world of frantic activity. Sabbath is a defiant calm in a world of anxiety. Sabbath is not passive laziness. It is active rebellion against the idolatry in our world and the idolatry in our hearts. Sabbath is resistance. Author A.J. Swoboda makes note of the Ten Commandments that they're in the center of the book of Exodus. And this is interesting. Uh, This is not random. And he says the first half of Exodus is getting Israel out of Egypt, right? You have the the plagues and crossing of the Red Sea. You literally have God calling Israel out of Egypt. But he makes note and he says the second half of Exodus, the giving of the Ten Commandments and the law, is getting Egypt out of Israel. It's getting the way of Egypt out of God's people. The law is about the Ten Commandments, including the Sabbath. This is all done to purge the way of Egypt out of his people. And God still uses the Sabbath for this purpose in our lives today, to resist the idols of our age, of our culture, and get the way of Egypt out of us as well, because there's a lot of Egypt in our bones. Sabbath is a subversive shout of contentment in God, in his provision, in his presence, in his world, in his way, in the life he has given us. Sabbath is nothing, nothing short of resistant rest, a ceasing of doing to begin being with our creator in his good creation. So why Sabbath? Four, it's missional. Jesus is on mission to restore and reconcile all things through his life, death, and resurrection. And we are invited in word and deed in all of life to live on mission with him. And when we do that, it is missional. And I'm arguing that Sabbath is missional. What do I mean? One of my favorite bands, Arcade Fire. We're in Portland. Hipsters rejoice. You just got an Arcade Fire reference, right? Do we have, I don't know, Hillsboro. We're we're a little far from uh, from Portland here. I don't know. Uh, 
Hey, but here's the deal. One of my favorite bands, they just came out with a new record in the last month, and the opening track is called Age of Anxiety. It's not that we have some people that struggle with anxiety. It's not that there's just anxiety around. It's not just that it's common. We live in an age of anxiety. And in an age of anxiety, peace is good news. In an age of depression, a joy that transcends our circumstances is good news. In an age of frantic consumerism, stable contentment is good news. In an age of restlessness, restfulness is good news. Jesus commands us in Matthew 5, You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Let your light shine before others. The Sabbath can function as a flashlight in the darkness, church. Showing others a better way. Church, there may be nothing more countercultural. Author Tish Harrison Warren, she says, than being known as a community of well-rested people who embrace our limits with zest and even joy. There may be nothing more missional, I believe this, in our cultural moment than being a people who exude a loving, peaceful, non-anxious presence. Church, we have a missional calling to live as an attractive, contrast society showing what human flourishing looks like when we live in alignment with the way of Jesus. So our call this morning, a call to action is that may we faithfully take up this mantle of responsibility and proclaim through the Sabbath that God is enough. What a sweet invitation, right? That our resistance is rest. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Sabbath is our authoritative, rehumanizing, restful, missional stop. So last one, why Sabbath? Number five, it's a remedy. So I was playing, this is a number of years ago, this is before my meltdown, this was in Tucson, uh, and I'm playing basketball at the YMCA, which makes sense, I mean, look at me, the basketball physique, if you will, shaped more like an Oompa Loompa than an NBA, uh, why are you laughing? No, I'm just playing. <laughs> No, but here's the deal. So uh, I, I stole the ball because I'm super athletic. You know, I'm just flying down the court. Uh, and I'm so athletic that somebody else caught up to me. And uh, dribbling the basketball, and I'm going up for a layup, but the guy gets underneath my feet. I trip, fall forward as I'm running full speed, and there's a the concrete wall behind the hoop, right? You're in an indoor gymnasium. There's padding there, praise God. Uh, but it's only over a limited amount of space. So I fall forward, again, because I'm very athletic, and I can't even stop myself. Uh, fly forward, hit my head against the padding, which, praise God, I, you know, who knows what would happen if I would have hit against the concrete wall. But I hit the, the padding with my head. My shoulder whips around, bam, hits the concrete, though. And I feel a pop, right? And I'm like, oh, gosh. Excruciating pain, can't move my shoulder. My AC joint, I separated it, uh, and my shoulder's still not quite right. Like, if we put this microphone close, you might be able to hear the, the popping every time I go around, right? Here's the deal. When something's out of alignment, it's painful. Like, and the reality is right now, our world feels the pain of being out of alignment with the way of God. But putting a shoulder back in place, the remedy of a dislocated shoulder is you got to put it back in place. But that remedy is also painful. It's also difficult, and it also takes time to heal. And I want to say that God uses the Sabbath 
as a remedy to heal us, to restore us, and to transform us over a lifetime. Sabbath is a remedy. Walter Brueggemann says, uh, Sabbath is not simply the pause that refreshes. It is the pause that transforms. See, the Sabbath is not just about our own refreshment, although, praise God, it is refreshing. But it's also the pause that transforms. And I've seen this in my own life, that slowing down, it doesn't just refresh me, it transforms me. I'm a different man than I was the one that broke down on that Arizona highway. The Sabbath has changed me as I'm more attentive to God, as I'm more attentive to his work in my life. Kelsey, my wife, recently said, we need to leave room on the Sabbath to go at a pace that actually allows us to hear God, be attuned to God, and give our attention to God. I'm married to a very wise woman. This Sabbath remedy indeed refreshes and it indeed transforms. And in this cultural moment, we feel the pain of being out of alignment. We feel the need for remedy. Arcade fire sees it. We live in an age of anxiety. You can open up the the poets and they see it. Open up Instagram and you'll see it. You go 30 seconds in any direction and there's a palpable in the air restlessness. But no one can find the solution. But rather than taking Jesus' invitation to work with his rhythms of meaningful work and rest, we are offered false remedies and counterfeits of rest. And this leads us to our next big movement this morning, uh, counterfeits of Sabbath, because there are many in our age. And so to save me some emails later, uh, put your phones away. You don't need to send me the email here. Like, let me be clear. The things I'm about to list, they're not inherently bad. In fact, nearly all of them are enjoyable and are going to have a place but they can't replace the role of ongoing healthy rhythms from God of meaningful work and Sabbath rest. So I got five quick Sabbath counterfeits or false remedies for rest. And, you know, we, we were going pretty heavy there, pretty serious, right? With like talking about Sabbath as resistance and rehumanization. Now we're going to have some fun with this. Uh, counterfeits of Sabbath, you can go to that first one. First one's a day off. Jose hit on this last week. Days off are great. I love having a two-day weekend. Hallelujah and amen. Thank you. Yes, please. But a day off is where you get your unpaid work done. It's laundry. It's meal planning. It's errands. It's working around the house. It's just called being an adult. I never knew when I was a teenager. I thought I wanted to grow up. Now it's just laundry. Like, can I go back to when my biggest problems were like, I can't pass this level on Xbox? You know, it's like, (laughs) but none of that Sabbath, right? Because a day off is only half of a Sabbath. It's like trying to breathe, only inhaling. Like, I'm going to start hiccuping if I keep doing this, and it's going to be uncomfortable. Like, it's only half of a Sabbath. It's just stopping working, but it's not intentional presence with God. It's like going to a bed and breakfast, and you call and say, hey, I'd like to book a a room for the bed and breakfast. They're like, oh, I'm sorry. Uh, You you must have read this wrong. It's a bed or breakfast. You can either either go hungry and have a bed, or you can, you know, uh, be full and sleep on the floor. It's a bed or breakfast. It's not a dual thing. Like, a day off is half of what a Sabbath is. It stops your paid work, but it doesn't start intentional presence with God. Let me be real here. As I, I'm type A. I'm with you if you like the, the list. There is no amount of chores. There ain't no amount. I don't care how far ahead you get at getting ahead for next week. How many errands you run. I don't care how much of that you do. It will never renew your soul. I don't care how type A you are. I don't care how much you knocked off your long to-do list. I don't care how good the deal was at Costco. It might have been amazing. I don't care how tidy your home looks or how organized your garage is weekend or you even got the the edger out and you got it looking real good. It ain't going to work. 
Because true rest can only be found connected to the Father. A Sabbath is only a Sabbath if it's connected to the God of life, peace, and rest. So one, a day off is not a Sabbath, but it offers you, hey, just take a day off. It's a false remedy. Number two, another false remedy is entertainment. Y'all, we keep doing this and it ain't working. We keep doing this. Here's the thing, it's, it's wild. We're doing the same thing, but no one's talking about it. Here's what we're doing. I know you're doing it, and I know I'm doing it. I know we're all doing it. We're doing this crazy maker. We sit on our couch, and you're probably watching uh, the new Obi-Wan Kenobi, which is pretty cool. Or you're watching this new, like, really, really dark season of Stranger Things. And you're like, what is going on here? If you know, you know. Or maybe you're throwing it back to the office or friends or something, and you're sitting there. You're supposed to be watching the show. You're sitting next to your roommate. You're sitting next to your spouse. You're sitting with your kids, whatever. And you're supposed to be watching the show, but you're not even watching the show. You're just scrolling the whole time. You're doing it. I know you're doing it. You're doing it. You're not even watching the show. We're just sitting there scrolling on social media. And here's the deal. We all say we're tired. We're all like, I'm so worn out. I just need to, I'm so tired. Well, insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. We're doing the same thing and we're still tired. We're all crazy to some level. I'm telling you, if you feel restlessness in your soul, watching Stranger Things and scrolling on Instagram is not going to fill your cup. You've tried it 741 times. And you're here right now and it's not working. I'm telling you, I'm thankful for shows. I'm thankful for sports. I, I'm watching the NBA Finals right now. I don't, my team doesn't exist. I'm a Seattle sports fan. My Supersonics don't even exist. I care about this stuff. I have an idol of sports. I know it's an issue. Uh, sorry, Blazers. You know, maybe next year you'll get in the Finals. But let's be honest, probably not. <laughs> Entertainment's a gift. It has its place. But it's not synonymous with Sabbath. Entertainment very well may be part of your Sabbath day, but it's not a Sabbath substitute. Catch the difference? It's not a Sabbath substitute. So it's not a day off. It's not entertainment. These are some false remedies. Number three, escape. Just the need of like, I just want to check out. I just want to turn my brain off. I just want some space. And as a parent of young kids, I get it. <laughs> I get it. I have this desire. And I got to look, like, I just got to be honest and look inside myself and say, am I golfing to be outside and enjoy community and enjoy God's good creation and be present with God in it? Or am I just trying to escape and catch a break on parenting? Right? Like, am I doing this as a way, like, am I just trying to escape with these activities? Or am I really trying to connect with God and connect with others and really enjoy his good world? Maybe it's not golf for you. Maybe it's shopping. I just want to check out, buy these things. It gives me that jolt. You know, it, I'm just going to shop and shop and shop. You know, or maybe it's, uh, hey, I'm going to turn to substances. Like I just, need that, I just need that couple beers at the end of the day to just take the edge off. You, know, you can turn to drugs. You can turn to alcohol or turn to these destructive things like pornography or whatever to try to escape the restlessness. We can distract ourselves in oblivion on social media. But I want to encourage us that God gives a better way. Those will never satisfy. They will not lead to flourishing. It will not lead to life. For Jesus is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. There is no life apart from him. Psalm 1611 says, In your presence, O God, there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. At God's presence, in his presence, according to his way, is fullness of joy. So whatever escape or rest or comfort or life you are looking for, Jesus is better. Amen? Amen? Jesus is better. So Sabbath is not merely a day off. It's not entertainment. It's not escape. It's not number four. It's not self-care. 
We live in an age of self-care. And of course, that's not necessarily a bad thing, right? But self-care confuses itself with Sabbath. A spa day or a good session at the gym are good gifts from God. But continuing this theme, they will not heal your soul. Hey, let me real again. No amount. No amount of exfoliation. No amount of goat yoga. We're in Portland. We do some weird stuff up here. There's some goat yoga. No amount of essential oils. I don't care if you've got 47 diffusers with your, like a sorcerer alchemist in there with your concoctions. Yeah, there's no amount of veggie smoothies, which you're kidding yourself. You think those taste good anyways. There ain't no amount of putting the mask and the cucumbers over your eyes. You know, there ain't no amount of hours by the pool or a deep tissue massage that can make us whole. And I'm going to tell you, I'm tired. I got a one-year-old with a, with a long-term brain disease and a four-year-old. We, we got all kinds of time. I'm tired. My wife is really tired. Let me tell you. The Lord bless you and keep you. <laughs> it's like, let me tell you. We're tired. This sounds awesome. <laughs> this self-care sounds awesome. And it very well may be part of your Sabbath. But again, this is not a Sabbath substitute. Last one, vacation. Vacation. I'm going to be going on vacation in a week. But a vacation is not a Sabbath substitute. Vacation is basically just a cocktail of the other four things we listed, right? It's like, hey, let me give you a double shot of days off. Give me just like a splash of escape and experiences. We can stir in some self-care and, you know, shake it up and give me a little spritz on the top with an entertainment. Which sounds like fun. But it isn't Sabbath. And you might be sitting here like, dude, Stephen, come on. That sounds exactly like what I need right now. What are you talking about? Like, how do you know this isn't like what we really need? And I'm going to ask you this, you know, cynical Sam, I'm going to ask it right back at you. Why do we come back from vacation and say we need a vacation from our vacation? Why do we do this, right? Like, how come I had my breakdown on the way home from vacation? Because a vacation in and of itself cannot restore, it cannot renew, and it cannot make us whole and give us true rest. Think of it this way. A vacation's like a two-week cleanse diet. It has a point. It has a purpose. It's all good. But it won't make you healthy or fix years of unhealthy eating habits. Jolts of self-care can be like eating a salad. That's good. I mean, it doesn't taste good, but it's good. And, you know, a salad every six weeks won't fix a season of unhealthy living. A dose of entertainment's like only doing bicep curls at the gym. It's going to make one part of you look good, but it's not going to fix all of you. Sabbath, though, is the healthy, steady rhythm of diet and exercise for the soul. It's the remedy. And no quick fix on a self-care retreat or a vacation away can replace it. See, Sabbath is an invitation to a lifestyle. It's a remedy for a lifetime. We tracking with that? We see like a day off, entertainment, escape, self-care, vacation. These might be jolts in the arm, but they don't replace the ongoing reality of Sabbath. We tracking? All right, so we started with the question, why Sabbath? We talked about that. Then we spent some time talking about counterfeits of Sabbath and false remedies. So for our final movement, I want to encourage and empower us to get really practical and talk about what are the ingredients for a true Sabbath? Because just, we, just because we know what something isn't doesn't mean we know what it is. You can come from a broken home with a you know, broken parent's marriage. It doesn't mean you know what a healthy marriage is, right? Like we have to see the real thing. Somebody in community group told me this and I was like, holy cow, this is amazing. Is the way that people, uh, people that like study currency and they, they see what counterfeits versus the real thing are, what do they do? 
They don't study counterfeits. They just become so uh, familiar with the real thing that they can spot the counterfeit in a second. And I think there's some, prof- that's a message for another day, but I feel like that's a profound implication for us today. That we need to know what a Sabbath is so that we can spot the counterfeits of, oh, that's just an escape. Oh, that's just entertainment. That's a good thing, but it's not, it doesn't replace this. So let's talk about ingredients for true Sabbath. The ingredients of the God-given remedy. These are going to be really practical, guys. Number one, dedicate, set apart time to Sabbath. Because we're not going to drift towards Sabbath. So number one, you got to dedicate time for this. We need to intentionally set apart guarded time to be with God, to rest in God and observe the Sabbath. Maybe it's noon Saturday to noon Sunday, like Jose said. I think that was a brilliant way of thinking about it. Maybe it's all day Sunday. Maybe it's a half day Saturday. The exact time is based on your season, on your rhythms and your schedule. But the first ingredient, if we are going to take Sabbath seriously, if we're going to engage in this uh, remedy, is we must set apart time. Two, We must stop our paid work. Stop your paid work. You must set away time to be away from your work and be present with God and be present with others. Put away the email. Put away the computer. Put away the calls. Put away the clients. Stop working and rest. And what your rest look like is going to be determined on what your work looks like, right? Like if you work at a cubicle on a computer and you're working, you know, in isolation, Sabbath flight look like being outside and being with people and, and doing the opposite, right? What your work looks like determine what your rest looks like. There's no one size fits all. But for all of us, stopping work is an act of faith. I want you to hear this. Like stopping work. And I want to be, I'll be real with you for a second. Friday is, is our Sabbath. We'll get into what that looks like. But I had probably about five different points of the day. I wanted to work on this message. I wanted to tweak it. I wanted to, like, I, there, there was a sense of, I want, to, I want to keep working, to keep working on this, to keep editing. But to stop was an act of faith to trust God to sustain your work. For me, it was to trust God to sustain my ideas and to trust that God is working even when you are at rest. Sabbath is an act of faith, to trust that God is working even when we are at rest. So two, stop your paid work. Three, stop your unpaid work. That's what a day off is for. You can do it all then. Four, stop mindless screen time. I'm convinced that the greatest enemy to Sabbath rest is a smartphone. Unless your device is bringing you closer to God and closer to others, that's, that's our filter as a family. Unless the device is bringing us closer to God and closer to others, let's just say for this allotted time on the Sabbath, enough. Enough. And don't be legalistic. I'm not saying be legalistic. I still answer calls from my mom on the Sabbath. Like, I'm not saying, like, don't be legalistic about it. Like, you should take calls from your mom on the Sabbath too. Uh, I use my phone to get directions to a restaurant. I'm not printing out things on MapQuest. Like... That was a wild time we lived in, right? Like, <laughs> set your odometer to know what 2.9 miles was. It was like, how do we get around, right? I play Spotify on my phone, you know? We listen to music. But it's really hard to see God and see others when my face is buried in my phone. So let's stop mindless screen time. And let's, we don't just stop something, let's start doing some things. Let's start, five, enjoying God. Listen to worship music that inspires you. Read a book that stirs your affections for Jesus. Pray through the day. Pray with others. Read your Bible. Pursue and enjoy God. A Sabbath is not a Sabbath if it's not centered on the Father. If we're not resting in God, if we're not uh, walking in His way, pursue and enjoy Him. Seek to see God in all that you're doing throughout the day. Start to enjoy God. Six, start enjoying one another. 
Again, if, it, if the Sabbath doesn't need to be isolating. If you're an introvert and you're like, I need space, you can enjoy solitude on the Sabbath. Amen and amen. But if you work in isolation, go do Sabbath in community. It was a community project. Like when, when God gave the Sabbath, it was always meant to be something you did in community. So Sabbath does not need to be isolating. If you need solitude, go for it. But the Sabbath should be a time to enjoy time with your family, to enjoy friends that spur you on to love and follow Jesus, to enjoy God's gift of community. For God, we just sang about it, praise the Father, praise the Son, praise the Spirit, three in one. God himself is a community. Community is his idea. Enjoy it. It's a gift. And number seven, last one, start enjoying God's good world. This should be easy in a place like Oregon, even with the rain. Go to places in creation that make you in awe of your creator. Go to the coast. It's amazing. Like, go, go, go see Multnomah Falls. Go ca- chase a waterfall. Go on a hike. Go eat good food. Like, this is amazing, right? Like, food doesn't have to taste good. If you want proof that God loves you, it's a steak. Like, <laughs> food doesn't have to taste good. We could, we could, like, just eat gray blocks could have been the way that we were nourished. But God gives us food. Man. Like everything God does uh, reveals his character. God loves us, right? Like, let's just call it like it is. Like, there's so many things, like music, right? Like, there's so many things to be enjoyed. Enjoy God's good world. Have a picnic on a grass. Get outside. Enjoy what God has made. So, these are some steps to ingredients of a true Sabbath. Do some of these things. Hyper-practical. I want to talk about what Sabbath looks like for our family. What we do is uh, Fridays are from, from when we wake up to when we go to bed. So what we do Thursday night is Kelsey and I, we plan it out. And we just, we spend, you know, 10, 15 minutes talking about, hey, what are we going to do? And then what I do, uh, we, we make some notes and we say, here, here's kind of our game plan for the day. We don't just wake up and say, hey, what are we doing? We plan for it. We prepare for it. What I do is I put all my social media and non-essential apps, I put them in a folder and throw it off to the side of my phone, right? And notifications are turned off. We sleep in as much as, you know, a one-year-old will let us. <laughs> so I mean, like, we got to be honest. Like, here's the deal, right? Like, we can say we're taking a Sabbath, but I, we can't, like, there's some things you can't take a break from. We can't tell our kids, like, there's no diaper changing on the Sabbath. I'm supposed to be resting. <laughs> Squeeze real tight. Hold it in, son. Like, we got to be real about, like, we got young kids. We do pancakes. We do donuts. We, we get outside. We go on adventures. We're not in a rush. We have downtime. We want our kids to think of the Sabbath as the best day of the week. It's a day of blessing and life. We, have, we connect with friends and family. Real talk, intimacy with Kelsey. Sabbath is a gift, so we're going to enjoy it. Like, we used to be, I remember being early married and thinking, we'll never schedule this stuff, right? No, it's going to be free-flowing. And ten years later, here we are. Uh, and if you're sitting there as a newlywed, I'm your future, buddy. So here you go. Eat good food. See good friends who encourage you. Pray, worship, read your Bible. Seek to saturate the day in the presence of God. This is what we do on the Sabbath. We narrate the day with the story. So we don't just eat pancakes. We tell Levi things like, why do we, why do we eat pancakes and put lots of syrup and chocolate chips in there? Why do we do this? And we tell him, because God's way is sweet. His way is good. And I want you to have a physical reminder of these things. I want you to taste it. I want you, when you think about God, to think of fun. I want you to think that following God is an adventure. So we do our adventures on the Sabbath because God's way is exhilarating and it's life-giving and it's sweet and it's good. We want our kids to associate this when they think about following Jesus, when they think about obeying Jesus. That it's good. 
It's not just good for us. It's good. We haven't arrived. We have two young kids. It isn't always great. We aren't always disciplined. There's times where it's like I'm mindlessly scrolling and I don't fully press in. But there's grace each week to press deeper into Sabbath rest for our joy, God's glory, and the good of our family. That's what we do. It's nothing magical. The question, though, is what are you going to do? What's your step to press further in and enjoy the gift of Sabbath rest? The beauty is each week it comes. We have another week to press in, another invitation to receive the remedy. So what do you need to start? What do you need to stop? Sabbath is a gift given to a people. We talked about this. So we're going to process the stuff in community groups together, right? This week, I want us to be honest with each other. If you're not in a community group, grab a couple friends that love Jesus and talk about this stuff and spur each other on towards this vision. It's hard to do this. It's hard to stop. It's an act of faith. We need people who are going to spur us on and encourage us in this. So in closing, church, we've got to come back to the center. True rest is only found in Jesus. We can't have the kingdom without the king. True rest is only found in Jesus. Let's hear the words of Matthew 11 afresh. Let it wash over this. I'm going to read from the message this time. and just I even encourage like, close your eyes and let this wash over you. Are you tired, worn out, burnt out? Come to me. Get away with me and recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. It's good news, amen? Church, one day, one day we will fully live freely and lightly. One day our faith will be made sight. One day the pain of work and the toil of life and the restlessness in our souls will be at peace. One day when Jesus returns, we will enter in and we will rest eternal. We come here to remember what Jesus has done and remember where all of history is headed. And we are headed to life and rest eternal. And until that day, church, Sabbath is a foretaste of forever. Until that day, Sabbath is practice for eternity. That's good news. That's good news. And until that day, we have Sabbath as a remedy to experience true life and true rest in Jesus today. We can taste and see it today with Sabbath. Let's respond. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you that we don't have to wait to the last day to experience rest. We can experience it today. Thank you that you give rest. Thank you that your way is good. Help us to receive it. Thank you that you love us enough that you don't just want us to work for you. You want us to be with you. You really, you love us. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, there's a lot of restless people in this room. I feel it in my bones. Would we come to you in faith? believing that in your presence there is fullness of joy, that your way is fullness of joy, that your way leads to true rest. And may we taste it, and may we see it, and may we experience it for your glory, for our joy, and for others' good. And all God's people said.